Last week, we talked about the story of Abraham, um, who gave birth to Isaac. Um, Our story today begins with Isaac really meeting Rebecca, his wife, who uh, her name literally means beautiful, and that is what he thought of her from the very beginning. He's immediately taken with her. Um, They finally have twins after 20 years of uh, marriage, and these two automatically begin duking it out while they're inside of Rebecca. Um, Esau, the, the names are so ridiculously, like, literal in this story. Esau means hairy. And that is how he's described. He is hairy. Um, He is Isaac's favorite son. Um, A podcast I listened to this week that um, I'll include, uh, I'll I'll share the the link to it. Um, I know um, Sarah is familiar with the Bible Binge podcast. And they take Bible stories and kind of make them into movies and like what what famous character would play them and kind of take a little bit of a lighthearted um, tone on, but really getting into the stories that are in scripture. And they described Esau as um, the kind of guy that goes to the bathroom with the door open. Uh, the more of, uh, more of your lovable meathead. Um, he's a guy who will towel with you harshly in the bathroom and eats ribs on the first date. Um, so that's, that's how they describe Esau. Um, I don't know how much of that's really historically accurate, but um, it's entertaining to think about it that way. We do know that he loves to be outdoors. We know that he loves to hunt. Um, we know that he's more compulsive um, in his decision making. Um, and uh, that he is kind of foiled alongside of Jacob. Who is uh, whose name means uh, deceiver or holder or grasper of the heel. Literally, it's a grasper of the heel because he comes out, Rebecca gives birth to him, grabbing a hold of Esau's heel like, nope, I'm going to be first. <laughs> um, that fighting is even happening as they are, are giving birth um, together. Um, he is Rebecca's favorite, and he is more of a, a mama's boy, a stay-at-home, stay close, probably a, a reader or a studier. Um, he is, <laughs> the podcast, he's aggressively non-threatening physically. Now, he is not aggressively non-threatening threatening mentally or in his scheming. Uh, that That is uh, quite different. Um, again, the boys were fighting inside of Rebecca's womb to the point that she went to God and said, what in the world is going on, God? Uh, please tell me what is happening here. And the word from God was not great. Um, uh, this is uh, going to be an epic showdown is basically what God said. Two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. So Rebecca knows from the beginning that Jacob is going to be the powerful one, the one that carries on this blessing that's been given to Abraham, that passed to Isaac. And now she's learning before the boys are even born that the second born will be the one that carries on the blessing uh, going forward. There's a few terms to help us understand this story. If, if you remember it, there's, uh, well, and they talked about it here, there, there's a moment where Jacob um, is preparing a stew and Esau comes in and he's just famished. Um, and they talk about birthright. 
birthright is a double portion of the inheritance and it would go to the oldest child or excuse me the oldest male of the family um, the father couldn't move the birthright once it's given to one child but um, that male could give it away to somebody else um, an oral contract uh, of bestowing the birthright on somebody an oral contract in the state because they didn't have you know the local notary public that could come by and sign off on your signatures so an oral contract was just as binding as any kind of written one we have today um, and you would get this the blessing of the birthright from your father one day Esau comes in and he's famished um, actually, he says he's going to die. He is so hungry. And even in the original Hebrew, the phrasing there would have still, I mean, we go, oh my gosh, how dramatic can you be? Uh, <clears throat> like, what good is my birthright to me if I'm going to die right now? That sounds dramatic to us. And even in the original Hebrew, it was that dramatic. <laughs> the, the original hearers of this story would have been rolling their eyes. Um, he's so hungry that he says his birthright to him is nothing. This moment probably would not have been the first time that Jacob and Esau have talked about the birthright. There's some evidence that the groundwork has been laid at other parts of their relationship. Um, it could <clears throat> mean that Jacob knows about the promise made before his birth. Um, so maybe Jacob knows something, his place in life is going to be different than what normally the second born male would be. Or he just really wants it, either one. <clears throat> it could also mean that Jacob's tried other times to get Esau's birthright. He wants that double portion of inheritance. He has been grabbing for it since he was born. <clears throat> Scripture says that Esau despised his birthright. To despise his birthright meant that he literally treated it as something worthless. But this may not have been the big deal it seems uh, to give that up and we'll get to that in just a moment we have a brief interesting interlude while the family uh, next has to move um, Isaac pulls something out of his father's playbook and tries to pass Rebecca off as his sister, actually to, to one of the same leaders in the same land that his father did. So th this poor guy is like, oh my gosh, I'm so done with your family. Uh, uh, but they, uh, they, they do this, they settle down, but in this new land that is not their, the land of their ancestors, Esau marries um, two different Hittite women, and we are told that they are a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. And I mention that because I think that's important in the story later. Scripture jumps to the end of Isaac's life. We're told he wants a really good meal at the end of his life, and so he asks his favorite, Esau, to give him that meal. <clears throat> and from there, he will give him his blessing. Blessing is different than birthright. Blessing uh, transfers the leadership from one to the other. It makes the the it would make him the administrator of the family. Um, his job is to lead sacrificial dinners or per, to um, preside over funerals or family ceremonies. Um, he would take care of all the people in the family that are not connected, that are on the margins, that need protection. Um, but the blessing also means that he would be the one who decides 
who gets the inheritance and when that's divvied out. So while he's given his birthright away, until this moment, he still controls the money after dad is gone and who gets it when. Scheming mom steps in. Um, Again, remember, she's heard the prophecy from the beginning, and Jacob is her favorite. And those two may be related. (laughs) Those two facts may be related. I don't blame her. Um, She was a woman in this culture where she had no power. She had no ability to take care of herself. She relied on other people. It also seems that Esau may have made some not great choices in the two Hittite women and the way that they grieved their parents. It it could also be, I I never thought about this this, uh, until this week when I was reading it in a commentary, that, that it could also be that she looked at him and thought, he can't be the one with these two Hittite women to carry on the blessing of God. Uh, He can't be the leader of this family. He can't be the one to bless the world. (laughs) Just thinking about that for a second. Um, Thinking that your mom looks at you and goes, yep, nope, you're not going to be the one to bless the world. I'm betting on the younger one here. That's a little depressed. That's something for therapy. Um, But Jacob dresses in Esau's clothes, and his mom wraps him in animal hair to fool his father. Um, Isaac, uh, when he encounters, while he can't see, he says, all right, you're stinky and hairy enough. You must be Esau. Um, And so he gives him his blessing. He gives him control over the family, over the money. He will be the leader. He will be the one to carry on this blessing from God. Ironically, the blessing that God steals is one that God had intended for him all along. Uh, Jacob is either unaware of what God said about him or he can't believe it. So he spends his energy trying to scheme and seize the very thing that God has promised him. He doesn't trust God, or perhaps he thought, God has promised this, but I know that God expects me to do all the work to make this happen. He cannot give up that heel grabbing. When Esau discovers what's happened, obviously he's enraged. He's completely just lost his role within the family. He's lost his place in the world. Uh, And so Rebecca, fearing for Jacob's life, tells Isaac, look, He's he's got to marry uh, he's got to marry an Israelite. He doesn't want to, we don't want him to marry not an Israelite because they don't exist yet. But um, we've got to he's got to marry one of our own. He can't marry one of these Hittite women, <clears throat> and so they send him away. They send him away uh, to um, uh, to be with um, his her brother uh, Laban, um, and the the the. <laughs> movie said that Laban humbles Jacob. Jacob gives Laban a pretty good run for his money. Uh, One commentary described it as they both keep just cheating each other out of uh, money and time and resources and the things they really want. They are, there's some, there's some matching DNA there. And so he and Laban, uh, cheat one another and that's that's really the heart of their relationship so jacob leaves a pretty wealthy man because of his final cheat um to laban at the end of his exile as jacob prepares to encounter his brother esau again he stays up all night scheming he's sending his wives and his children ahead of him in reverse order of importance Um, then god shows up to wrestle with him and hurts jacob 
Jacob wrestles God for the blessing that God intended for him all along. A summarizing picture of Jacob's life. And even after he's been injured to the point that he knows he will not win, Jacob will still not give up. I have to say, I appreciate this kind of tenacity. that that's an Enneagram 8 tenacity right there. I don't know that I'm going to say he was an Enneagram 8, but that's that kind of tenacity. Jacob wrestles with God. Um, again, for the blessing that God intended for him all along. This was the, the thread that ran through Jacob's life. Always scheming, always trying to get the upper hand from other people. As we humans, uh, we look for a lot of things to give us our identity, to give us our security, and to help us feel secure or to find our blessing in this world, just like Jacob did. A position at work, a relationship, the next high grade, getting into the right school. We spend our lives chasing some sense of peace and purpose that God has been offering all along. We think that we could just achieve this next thing and all will be well. I think maybe that's what Jacob was feeling. If I could just achieve this next thing, this next, this next step, this next blessing, this next piece of money, this next, uh, this next um, herd, <laughs> this next wife, then all will be well in my life. We think that when this next problem is resolved, when this relationship is fixed, when the next, when the next, when the next, that peace, purpose, that promise is always just out of reach. And we become like Jacob. We're just grasping for the next thing that will surely fix it. But rather than God getting frustrated with us and condemning us, God is willing to wrestle with us in this, just like with Jacob. It doesn't change the promise of God. It just means that we don't get to rest in these promises. It means that sometimes we walk away wounded because of our choices, because of our wrestling. But God is still faithful. What are you wrestling with God about? What is the thing that you are grabbing for that you feel like you need to be secure? What's the thing you believe will give you purpose? What has you questioning the promises of God, the presence of God? God is willing to wrestle with you in it. God is willing to just give you the peace and purpose that's been promised. It is here for the taking. This morning, you can lay down the struggling. You can stop the grabbing. God's promises are bigger and better than our best efforts. This morning, we're going to close worship with just uh, with instrumental song playing uh, and a few questions that I want you to think about, um, to reflect on, to what does this story matter in your life today? And so I pray that this is a time of prayer for you and a time that you are able to listen to God speak.